Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. After one hell of a weird season, we are now into the final round of the interrupted NRL year. And what a year it's been, Boxhead. It's been a strange one. A strange one, but I'm, you know, we've got to be thankful that we got some footy. Oh, super thankful we got some footy. Super happy that we got all the way through, especially uh, when circumstances started to change and, you know, adapt on the run. We got some crowds back in and it's looking like bigger crowds for finals. Yeah. Positive. Um, 50% possibly as of October 1. Fingers crossed everything keeps heading that direction. Everything. Well, there were zero locally acquired cases today. So in New South Wales, that is. So it's a positive. Looking good um, for the ANZ side, for us. Not rubbing that in for everyone out there, but if you're an ANZ member, I was always worried all year that we weren't going to get to maybe go to the grand final. But if they get back to 50% and it's about 40,000, surely we're sweet now. Well, I'm going Friday, Saturday this week. So good. looking forward to it. And for any local fans, so like all the Panther fans out there that haven't been able to enjoy the home game, if they can get 50% in for the finals, there's talk. Some people uh, were talking during the week that maybe they should consider ANZ. They should. To be able to let more fans go, which wouldn't wouldn't be a bad idea at all. No. I guess if, you know, you're happy. Oh, I think the first week of the finals. Stadium. They're going to take the stadium, yeah. Yeah, I'd take the stadium just to get the first game out of the way. After that, I'm under the impression that they'll have to go to ANZ. I don't know, but for week three, if I'm a Panther man uh, and I'm a fan, I'm a local and I haven't been able to go all year, the members, all the others, I want... It'll be ANZ. Yeah, the biggest stadium. It'd be a good idea. It'd be a really good idea, but things are trending upwards heading into the finals. Uh, obviously, we basically knew the makeup of the eight. We now know that the top two are locked in. There's only one possible move left in the top four, but it seems that that's basically unlikely now with the Raiders pulling their players this week. They're not really too fast. Yeah. Obviously about getting to that position, and I can't really blame them, given the fact they've probably got the Sharks now week one in the situation that they now find themselves in. Um, so it pretty much seems like everything's locked up. It's pretty much locked up, yeah. There's a little bit of movement, but um, no. It's looking... Nothing major. Parramatta Penrith week one at Penrith in all likelihood. Yep. Storm Roosters at the Sunshine Coast or Suncorp Stadium. I'm not sure how that works. I think they will make them play that at Suncorp. You'd think so. It would be the Raiders and Sharks down at GIO, which is great for the Raiders, considering the Shark situation, as we've just said. Probably rather that and one bite of the cherry rather than have a hard game week one in Penrith. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Newcastle, who, if they win this week, potentially lock up that home final against Souths at uh, you know, Newcastle, which would be great for them in their first year back in. I think the home field advantage would make a big difference for Newcastle. So, oh, they're, they're a significantly better side at home, the record. That's what it's looking like. Result, Unless yeah. those results go the other way and South jag it, which would then mean it's at ANZ Stadium. But it basically looks like we've got our week one of finals. But before we get into 
uh, round 20 and the final round of this season. Let's do our set of six. Welcome to the podcast. If you join us for the first time, if you've been on board long term, you know how this works. Six topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about and tackle one. Controversy again on the weekend, unfortunately, with one round to go, uh, with some bunker decisions and the referees, which is not exactly great, and we don't want to be those people uh, or be negative, but obviously it's not It's really, concerning. Well, it, it's, it is concerning. Yeah, concerning. That, that's the main reason we bring it up, and I know a lot of people blew up about the sewer thing. To me, in all honesty, if you take a player out, whether or not you like it, to me, the suspension's warranted, and he's a repeat offender, and I love Jaden Sewer. I've been wrapping him up all year. My only thing with him, and as from a coaching point of view, he has to be told. He's got to dip more. Like, he cracks blokes. Yeah. He plays a fine line also, I think, this year with a shoulder charge. Yeah. A lot of times. He does wrap his arms, but there's other times I think he's got away where he hasn't. But his technique, his hit is so good, he doesn't really need to dip as much through his legs or he doesn't arch his back so much. So there's a real fine line there, like the one with Lewis, where people are saying he's hit the shoulder, but... You know, if it skims off the shoulder and knocks a bloke cold out, we know how tough Lockie Lewis is. He doesn't lay down for anybody. No. He knocked him in the next week. He did. So yeah. if you're going to play that game and you're not going to really drive through your legs or dip as much, you are running a fine line. Crack a shot, 100% agree, all those bits and pieces. But yeah, I think if he has a little more dip and he hits in that target area on the ball, he'd, he'd, he'd flatten the blow. Whether you like it or not, he did. So yeah. I was a bit surprised about the blow up about that one. And again, they lost the play for the whole game. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, to hear Andrew Johns and a lot of these guys carrying on, you know, that ripped them off, that cost them the result. Well, what about Jackson Paulo going in and dragging his foot across the touchline? Yeah. Like, plain and simple, see, that's weren't good enough. Honestly, for anyone saying that that wasn't a sin bin, they're a moron, and they're not in touch with the modern game. The, the, I'm of the opinion that if Sua hits him in the head like that and Lewis is out for the rest of the game, Sua should be out for the rest of the game. Well, you're launching... I don't understand how we're still at a point within yeah, the game that... I get it. The team who commits the offence actually gains benefit from foul play. Well, the other thing as well, to defend Accident it, like, or not. He doesn't, like, an accident, well, accidents do happen, but again, your technique and what you get taught in, which we're talking about, is do- dipping a bit better, dipping your back, driving through your legs. He doesn't dip well enough. No. He hits like a truck, considering he doesn't get as much angle or drive into his hits or his trajectory. But if he dipped a little bit more or bent through his legs, he'd absolutely cut blokes in half. He hits like a truck. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But as I've said before, there's plenty of times this year where I thought, ooh, he's a bit lucky there, where he's popped a bloke with a shoulder or maybe tucked an arm in. I reckon he's a walk-up start for Queensland. Honestly, do. I have a huge opinion of the kid. But that's something that if he's going to keep playing that game, a couple of times a year he's going to find himself at the judiciary. Yeah. So um, as far as that one, there's other ones across the weekend, in particular the Paul had one, and then we saw the instant reaction after that, the touchy... Doesn't send it up to be referred. The referee blows it. We see the replay. It's out. Then for the rest of the weekend, every single thing got referred to the bunker, as you would expect yep. to be inspected. Um, there's been the one the week previous with Collins. There's been plenty across the year where people have argued about different interpretations. It, it is concerning. And then you've got Ricky Stewart's blight, which, again, I find funny that the media agenda is, ah, oh, Ricky speaking on all behalf of all the coaches. Uh. It's all well and good for Ricky. But when Ivan Cleary barely made a veiled comment weeks prior... Everyone got stuck into Ivan. Very, Ivan's such a bad bloke, and yeah. Ivan goes off the handle all the time and all this kind of stuff. I'm Very like, good point. And I'm not defending either way of coaches, but I'm like, exactly what we talk about all the time. 360 don't is have, the biggest dick rider, Ricky Stewart dick rider. Yeah, just they are just unbelievable. Don't have an agenda. Don't have an agenda. Just be blunt about it. I, Ricky Stewart's done a fantastic job. Same deal again. Big fan of what's happening down in Canberra, but timing's one thing. And they dislike Ivan. Timing's one thing. Right now, around 20, it's all well and good to blow up before the finals. But plain and simple, 
and I know some Canberra fans weren't happy about it as well. I watched that first half. Whether you liked or not what the Warriors were doing or saying, they did the same things. To me, in all honesty, I thought the Warriors turned up to play physical. I thought they got under the skin and the Raiders bit. Johnny yeah. Bateman didn't need to stick his head in someone's face. Josh yeah. Parley didn't need Pull to grab hair. a hold of the hair. Yeah, there was a little bit in the scrum there where he suddenly got popped in the nose. I didn't really see it. If he did, well, if I'm Papali, just throw the punch then. Yeah. Sort the bloke out, take the 10 <laughs> and get on with it. The Jack White and Sinbin, I didn't agree with it. No. Repeated infringements down there usually do lead to a sin binning, but I did think Sutton was average. But the 7-1 penalty count to me was more on account of ill-discipline. Yeah. And then it finished 8-8, eight, eight, so I don't get it. Saying it was a lopsided penalty count, the ruck restarts were the same. They adjusted the situation, they won the football game, but... Yeah, it was more the fact that a few of them, to me, were from ill-discipline because they didn't enjoy how physical the Warriors yeah, were playing. I, I found it really contradictory because Stuart's talking about, well, Graham Annesley and I are poles apart. apart yeah. But there's, there'd be a multitude of people in rugby league that are poles apart in terms 100%. of opinions, philosophies, how they think the game should be played, officiating, to, yep. you know, all that stuff. There's there's a lot of people who've got different opinions. So, And and then it came out this week that he hasn't spoken to Graham Annesley since the grand final. Like, what sort of petulant behaviour is that? He's not the referee's boss. Get over it. Right. You got a problem, talk to Sutton. You're, realistically, you got dudded for one play in the grand final. And it was the correct call. It just got called yeah, incorrectly. Got called, we said this last got, year. That's right. Either way, you're never happy. If you're a Canberra fan, you're not happy. If you're a Roosters fan and they go to score off that and they tell you afterwards that we incorrectly ruled that, you're not happy. Yeah. In the end, like we said, it was the wrong call, but the right call, it did put a bit of a... A blurb on it, I guess, if you're a Canberra fan. But at the end of the day, to me, they got it right. It, yeah, but he's carrying on about it still. Like, yeah, and it's impacting. It's, gone. it's impacting his team because whether you like it or not, that'll that will have some sort of an effect on the team. Yeah, and again, if it was posturing heading into the finals to try and they're going to play Cronulla two weeks in a row, they could beat Cronulla with their eyes closed. Yeah, Cronulla's best players just got injured. I think on the flip side, and I've said this before for Ricky Stewart, the way they've established this team, built things up, they've kind of got rid of the excuse culture. In the past, I used to tend to think that he went in there and had a bit of a whinge at times to try and, you know... Yeah, influence. Ma- maybe influence or win a bit of favour, but at the same time, I don't want my team hearing me speak like that where it almost seems like I'm giving them out. Yeah. If anything, I would have went in there a week out from the finals and rather shape it that John shouldn't have put his head in and Josh shouldn't have pulled hair and if we thought they were being a bit niggly or aggressive, we should have just met it with the same sort of aggression and line speed. I, yeah. I thought they'd have started a bit flat and the Warriors turned out with a bit of fire in the belly. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, they were the better side. They won the game. They they did what you would have been hoping. But first half, I just don't think they responded that well. And yeah, I don't agree with the sin bin. Um, but yeah, I just thought those comments again after a couple of weeks ago where we've hacked Ivan or we hack other people for what they say that suddenly Ricky Stewart gets a pass and ah, oh, he's saying what every other coach is thinking. Well, well, how do you know that? Have you spoken to the other fifteen? He only got coaches? fined apparently. I think I saw today. You can't tell me what that he's thinking exactly the same as what Todd Payton's thinking. Nah. <laughs> like nah. So straight away, the, that comment is rubbish. But apparently, I think I saw today, the fine that he got was only for throwing the water bottle. Which again, he hooked the water bottle out the box. Was it a fine or was it a suspended fine? 10000 I think he got fined and they've okay. copped it. But it didn't, I, from, I didn't read the article, but it said it was only around the water bottle. So I don't think he got fined for his comments. I thought for sure, if you're going to call into question the refereeing, which is the same thing they got Ivan for and Annesley, that you would have been slugged. Yeah. But I think you just, you just don't need it. Out from the finals. If he's looking to win some influence, all well and good, but the team's been punching above their weight. I wouldn't give him any excuses. I would have used it the opposite way. Like we, bit similar circumstance to what we said about Ivan in that second half with Penrith. I would have more used that as a circumstance to say that we need to be better. Yep. Um, so, 
I can't defend Ricky Stewart on that. And no, I'm not going to. I will say like, on the flip side though, it was more the double stand in the comments, but I do have concerns like everybody about the bunker and the referees inconsistency and interpretation of different yeah. rules and fingers crossed that we don't see anything in the finals. In particular the one that really got me was the call in the Para Broncos game where we had the infringement where Henry Paranara is called knock-on. They've gone to score the try, and because it was the opposite, and he's blowing his whistle, they say we come back to the play the ball. I'm like, well, they've gone on to score. Yeah. Why do they cancel each other? Like, that's not a fair result. If it's a try-scoring situation, and you've got the call wrong, and we've gone to the replay, and they've confirmed that, why is it not a try? Yeah. It was played out fairly. Just let it go. But... Yeah. Agree, yeah, agree. A little bit of concern, but I'm going to be positive, as we generally are on this show here, and say that hopefully we're going to have a cracker final series and we're not going to have any episodes like this where we need to come on and discuss something like this or have you know fans attacking each other, saying we were robbed or vice versa. I really hope that we don't have that situation. Yeah, you're, probably, you're probably going to get one. Well, after the year we've had, it's the last thing we really need. So yeah. let, let's hope we have a really good run come the finals time in regards to the bunker and the referees. But tackle two... Speaking of rules, refereeing and all that, some rule changes for round 20 for some of the games that have no impact, obviously, on the finals race. We've got, prior to conversions, the bunker can review the try and overturn the referee's decision. So more to the point of what you've spoken about a few times here is the NFL do. They basically review all plays on the run, and if it needs to be brought back, they generally do. It's reviewed live or challenged. I have no problem with that. What's the purpose of the bunker, as we said in the first place? If it's not looking... Yeah, at right. all these things or tipping up on the run. So I have absolutely no problem with that. That's great. And on top of this, people said, well, that slows the game down. Well, how bloody long does it take most kickers to set up to take their kick? Unless they're in a desperation situation at the end of the game, yeah. trying to kick, they generally take close no, to two no longer, No longer than it takes the bunker to come up with a decision. Exactly. So I've got no problem with that. Only forwards allowed to pack into the scrums. Look, the whole scrum kerfuffle to me just makes no sense. Just get rid of them. Forwards into the scrums or not, and all the dinosaurs again in the media that bring up, why why are their backs from this, that, and the other? We've spoken about this before. Coaches, depending on what tram line the scrum is or if it's centre field, set the scrum up so when it splits, their defensive line goes back to how it's supposed to be set. It's not rocket science. Yeah. And the other flip side is you can't... Defensively. Yeah, and you can't force teams to attack from a scrum. We've seen that some teams prefer to take a one-out carry off the scrum, so... You tell me right now, all right, Junior Paulo for Parramatta can no longer be one out off the scrum. Or Melbourne can't have Nelson as off Solomona second off the scrum in, you know, red zone coming out of yardage now. He has to be in the scrum. All you're going to do as a team is get your best yardage winger, yep. use him the same way because you're in red. Correct. And you don't want to make an error. Parramatta's going to do the same thing. If it's not Junior Paulo, it's going to be Blake Ferguson. You cannot force people to use the scrum Correct. as a backline shift. And there's only a handful of teams still, and we spoke about this before we come on, that actually use scrums in good ball. There's only a handful that actually have attacking plays off scrums. Nine times out of ten, they still hit a one out or they run a block shape and just throw it out wide and a bloke generally gets caught. So I don't know why we keep messing with the scrums. If anything, we should be heading more towards the direction of one of the other rule changes that we've got here, which is that if the ball gets run into touch or you kick out in the full instead of having a scrum, Play the ball. Play the ball. Yeah, love it. Just to avoid exactly what we're talking about. Stoppage, waste of time. The scrum is now pointless. Yep. We weren't born in the time, or I can't remember the time, where pushing, kicking, striking for the ball. The scrum has basically been inept. A stoppage, a waste of time. We've brought in the shot clock. We've tried to speed it up. It's generally an absolute waste of time, and it's not taken seriously, and it's not done properly. So if we can take away 30 seconds to a minute of bullshit and just hand the ball over, 
have the ball in play for even longer, I'm all for it. Yeah. So I like that rule. It's really, really good. And the last one, after a six again has been awarded, all defending players except the markers must adhere to a 10-meter rule. Like it. Straightforward again. Yep. So all the things they're trialing, I don't under, I don't think moving forward, you know, any of those could not be considered to be taken moving into the future. If we can take a few of the situations yeah, where let's, scrum, just have, let's have a look at them and yeah. it's not going to hurt. The games aren't uh, impacting, as you said, so let's have a look at it. I but like it. In particular, the one with, the, like I said, the handovers and just getting a play of the ball, I'm all for that. The less yeah, situations like where we need a scrum, yep. all well and good. And that clock just serves as a rest clock, basically. 100%. And the four, like I said, the forwards into the scrum one to me is just irrelevant because you use that given the situation you're in. If you're in red, it's not going to change the way you use that first play, whether it's a front rower, one of your best winger carries or a good strong carry in centre. Teams aren't going to change what they're doing just because you forced them to put or five forwards in the scrum. I think they can nominate one, apparently, not to be in. Yeah. And the bunker should be doing the job that they're going to get it to do this last round, so... I don't really think most of those were rocket science, but all four of those. Tackle three. Manly. Their season's over. Tom yep. came back on the weekend. That was the big thing that a lot of people were holding on to. That that's going to turn things around. Obviously, after a long layoff, you're not going to have the greatest game on earth. You made a couple of errors, and you come out with another injury. Yeah. But I guess we he looked on it, done. look at Manly as a whole this season and what we talked about mainly beforehand. Depth is an issue. Can they back up what they did last year? The two hooker situation we spoke about from the start was always going to be a big concern. Yeah. And when you're that top heavy on your salary cap and the way they've managed things the last few years, it'll come back to bite you on the ass. And I think this season, the proof's been in the pudding. Cherry Evans is on million plus. Both of the Turbos signed a similar deal of close to 900,000. Tap out. Fanua Blake, who are now seeing walk out the door, which I'm pretty sure they're happy to happen. They're not happy they're losing a quality player, but he's contract bumps to $850,000 next year. So you've almost got five guys taking up almost half your salary cap. Yeah. It's absolute insanity. So I'm more looking at now going, well, where to from here? Because you're still tied to both of those Trebojevic's long-term. Yeah. Jake's been affected by not having good nines, his brother, and obviously a lack of depth in the side. So that lessens his impact. He's almost had to play as the second half at times and been, well, not underwhelming, but his role certainly changed for someone you're paying $900,000 to. Cherry Evans is carrying way too much burden, but again, he signed a lifetime contract. Yeah. Fanua, They're too top heavy. Fanua Blake, who are you replacing him with? Mm. You know? Uh, the 2 9 situation. Like they're talking now they're going to re sign Fanu, which is all well and good, but apparently his court case isn't until mid next year. So you're not solving the problem. Like I get that you want to hold on to a player. Mm. Meanwhile, Coruscant's gone. Levi's not going to fix your problem, which we talked about before. Realistically, you don't know what's going to happen with Fanu. So I think you actually need to go and like someone like Tom Starling right now at Canberra. Yeah, I know he's probably hit cap, happy to stay at Canberra, but as we spoke about before, if I'm someone like the Titans, I can offer him a starting position in a good side. Yeah, and I'm, you know what? Gee, a fortnight before they probably would have made a play for James Tamo. There you go. If it had happened a little bit earlier, less yeah. coin, different situation, yeah, trying to good, reshape. Good leader. Uh, as far as yeah, a few of those top heavy contracts, they may be getting out of one, but there's still a couple there. Yeah. And like for Tom this week, I know Origin gets brought up. Everyone keeps bringing up Origin. Freddie says he's the first one guaranteed in the squad. I stick by what I've been saying for Honestly. a month now. If I'm Manly, I'm sitting down with a bloke. I'm going, you haven't barely played football this year. You've had yeah. a million soft tissue injuries. Who are you getting paid by? Like, we're paying you close to a squill. Origin's not on the radar. This whole off-season now... Is to recover and make sure you're you right. ...is for you to be ready to go. Because one origin and you break down again, it's not helping Manly. Yeah. Manly are in too big a hole right now and have too many holes to fill. And then the half spot, Dylan Walker... 
hasn't re-signed. I've liked little bits I've seen of Cust, Schuster, long-term a solution. Do they stick with him straight away? They're talking about bringing Foran back. Like, There's a lot of questions to be answered at Manly, but they need to figure out who the house partner is going to be. They need a solution at nine. They need to get their fullback healthy. And this little bit of cap relief they're going to get in the situation here with Fanua Blake needs to be used to fill up two holes. Number one, Paseca's probably going to have to step up and they're going to have to get someone in that rotation. But Joel Thompson's also going. So they've got a back row hole and Corey Waddell walking out. Yeah. So there's multiple holes here that Absolutely. can't be filled overnight for Manly. And for a lot of people that had him as premiership contenders, certainly didn't have him there. I put him, I think, at the bottom of my eight, seventh or eighth. But I had him out and then moved him in. There's a lot of things that have been opened up here that they've got to address this offseason. But yeah. first one starting for me, make that money spread to more players in your squad for one. But number two, Tom, there's no way I'm letting him play Origin. They have to sit down and talk to him. Yeah, agree. Have to. Agree. Uh, yeah, that one I just found crazy. Tackle four. Resting versus playing. Again, today, some people blowing up that TV, media, Fox, everyone, no one will be blowing up that teams are resting players heading into round 20. But, like, again, let's be serious. They're trying to win a competition. They've established their positions, different circumstances, like the bubble. Melbourne, for example, this weekend. We've got guys that have been playing the last few weeks, needled, busted. They've got themselves into the position. You're second, you're locked in. You're the last game on Sunday, so you're going to have the shortest turnaround possibly in the week one of the finals, and you've got nothing to gain. Why, for one week, is it an issue to pull some players out for the whole purpose of the competition, which is to try and win it? Yeah. Well, look, there's different stakeholders have different values and different things they want. From the team's perspective, I totally understand the... Uh, I, I totally understand the resting. From the TV network's position, I totally understand their frustration as well because the product isn't going to be as attractive. I'm not sure the best way around it. At the moment, the clubs are doing nothing wrong. They're doing what's well within That's the rules. That's what you've got a squad for. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure why it's become such an issue now. Like Traditionally, it happens every final round of the season. Well, of all seasons It happens as well. every yeah. final round of you know your NFLs, your basketballs, all, all that. They all rest. We've had stop... Restart, pre-season start again. We've had more injuries than we've had before. We've had rule changes, extra fatigue, extenuating circumstances with the bubble, probably more mental pressure, time away from fit, like all these other tolls. No movement can basically come of this whole weekend other yep. than the move between fourth and fifth, which Raiders have basically signaled their intentions as well with already a heavy injury toll and you know playing pretty consistently well football with the guys they've had in during this period of time to get themselves well entrenched at least for a home final. I thought the whole purpose was to try and win the competition. So for the last round, with nothing on the line for basically anybody, I don't really see the big kick up and sting. I think it's smart by all the clubs that are doing so, aka Melbourne resting the majority of their squad with a lot of guys with niggles and injuries, to focus on the finals. Because come week one, you win that game, you go straight through to week three. The Roosters, lesser as far as who they've rested, but they've treated the whole year differently with the strength of squad that they have. Yep. they've been able to rotate their players kind of through the back end as they've got them back. So they've rolled Teddy in and out for a few games. They've managed the concussion situation with Cordner's bad knee. They've managed Keery's injuries. They've tried Lamb before he got hurt after a couple of weeks and even gave Flanagan that time out to check that. They've given Friends game out for Lussick. So their position, I can understand this week, only resting a couple again, is different to others, where they're willing to play the majority of their squad because they've just been rolling guys in and out. The Raiders have got nothing to gain. They've lost a stack of players. They've had a lot of guys playing extra minutes or as middles who were edges in different positions for a long period of time. 
they're putting all their eggs in one basket for week one at home to blow the Sharks off the park, clearly. Again, don't see the issue with it. I don't have an issue with it, yeah. Newcastle the last few weeks, knowing they can't improve, rolling a couple of guys in and out. I just no issues. I'm with you, mate. I don't have an issue with it. And as I said, you can totally understand understand each yeah. team's perspective on why they're doing it. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum where someone like Penrith hasn't been resting players unless they've had an injury or yeah. an issue. And they've done that again this week. So Crichton's yeah. had a full year. I think Kikau's had a full year and a couple of niggles. And Edwards has had a couple of knocks or hamstring issues. They rested him this week. So yeah. they're only really resting guys. Same deal again. Have knocks or niggles that could turn into bigger problems. Same as last week with Tamau having a bump and Coruscant with these injuries. They're riding the hot hand because they're young. They're probably fresher. They've got guys that don't have as many war wounds. Different ways to play it out. But I just was really surprised about the blow-up this week. Yeah. In particular, those few uh, squads in particular, your Storm or your Raiders that have had a big toll, that are just worrying about the finals campaign. Like, I really don't understand why people would be surprised that teams are doing what they're doing when there's nothing to gain. I really don't. Makes no sense to me, but <sighs> yeah, yeah. Well, again, you're just looking at different stakeholders with different goals. The TV networks want audiences and money. the The teams and players want to win a comp. That's it. Simple as that. Simple as that. Tackle five. Brisbane Broncos situation. Apparently, we're getting closer to a decision. Still thought a few weeks ago, as I said, that the CEO should come before the coach. Apparently, now. They had a list of 10, even though those two guys are still the favourites. It's all still a kerfuffle up there to me. It all makes no sense. If you basically know that they're the two, I know they're saying we have to go through a process, but you're basically wasting your time with the other eight or nine candidates that you're talking about if you know they're your two blokes. The biggest thing is, and I can understand and we said it before, I still think you need to sort out the CEO or if you're going to change the GM of football or if you're going to change anything on the board because at the end of the day, those guys are the ones who are going to be working with a new coach. I thought those moves were all important. CEO candidates, there was a name externally that I'd heard that was someone a former in government. I don't remember her name. It was a female, I think they said, that worked up in Queensland government. There was someone mentioned who run Triple M Queensland, who was now in the loop. Again, a name I can't confirm. Ben Eichmann's hat was still in the ring. And then this week, obviously, they've had their third attempt at trying to steal someone from Melbourne in Dave Donaghy, who's the CEO after obviously approaching Bellamy and approaching Cameron Smith and even... The Storm uh, GM in Matt Tripp kind of fired back and basically said it's one thing to try and emulate clubs or take away some things from clubs and what you want to learn, but to basically go after coach, best player, CEO, every single person, it's just kind of embarrassing. Yeah. And the whole year hasn't exactly been great for them, but they really need to sort this out. I know it doesn't affect results right now, but moving into what is going to be a very weird off-season and a shortened off-season and probably... I don't know how much time is going to be given before Christmas due to origin, breaks, bubble situation next year, all the kind of parameters around that and players possibly going to have to go back in it, but they need to get this sorted out pretty quick. Yeah. They're at that, they're at that point, yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah, that, well, they are. Uh, and they are dragging the chain a little bit. And I said a few weeks ago, you know, I, I would have moved on anyone who wasn't going to be there next year and, and tried to really pick the ball up and run with it as soon as possible to make headway um, now. I know, I know this is viewed as a lost season, but every day wasted now is an opportunity wasted in my, my book. Uh, and, and I was pretty firm on that a month ago. And my, my position on that has probably only become 
um, you know, firmer. I, I'm not backing away from that at all. I think they're wasting time at the moment. They're, they're paddling when they could be improving. The other thing as well, CEO, agree on a coach, coach of staff, assistants are getting named, those moves are happening right now. Yeah. There's other guys that have been taken in those positions. Yeah. Dogs right. have just sorted their staff. Peyton will be starting to work on his staff right now and who he wants to keep and get away. Griffin's making moves on his staff. Behind the scenes, I know that Penrith and a few others are already making moves as far as next year about who's going and who's coming and the Tigers are talking about the same situation. And you've still got Brisbane. When you don't have a coach, you can't make moves in that area. Yeah. So there's a whole knock-on effect from CEO, board level down if they're making any changes there. Peter Nolan, is he still going to be the head of recruitment? Are you changing that? Like All these things behind the scenes once Seabold was out the door and you've had the season you've had, decisions need to be made starting with the CEO. But they've really dragged the chain on that and that's got a knock-on effect all the way down the line for the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. So needs to be resolved. But tackle six to finish off. The top eight is locked in. Everyone's in a different situation, but the poor Sharkies after last week, well, big trouble, little China, I think. Massively, big yeah. They're, they're already struggling. They, they haven't beaten the top eight side, yeah. and then now they're, they're seasoned. they've been just carved with injuries, haven't they? Yeah. You'd basically think after what happened on the weekend, if they're heading to Canberra week one, missing the players they're missing, and Morris was even bringing up the other day the situation that they weren't looking to really play Matty Moylan, um, but if they have to push him early, given the circumstances, that's going to happen, so... You're talking about playing a guy who's had that many soft tissue injuries and been that inconsistent for you that you might have to reach week one to push him a few weeks early if he breaks down. You've just lost Johnson, who's now going to be ruled out long-term. You've got guys, again, that have been in and out all year. And Fafita, and you've got Dugan, who's had a more consistent year, but looked like he picked up a knock on the weekend. Um, yeah, Royce Hunt, who's been a real find. It, it just It was not a great weekend for the Sharks. Really not a great weekend. A crippling weekend, I'll call it. Yeah. If it already wasn't a hard enough situation, they did, like we said, they've done the right thing all year around a lot of uh, external things that they couldn't help. Sherry's situation, Morris going early, players there that John Morris, as we said, didn't sign or has been kind of stuck with. Uh, he's carried the load, he's found some guys, he's blooded some more kids, but the injuries and what's happening on the back and here heading into week one, I think you can almost chalk that up as a free win to Canberra. They're resting everyone this week. They'll be back there next week, fully locked and loaded, refreshed, and I think it's going to be a, a very short-lived final stint for the Sharks. So, tough weekend. If you're a Sharkies fan, hopefully they put up a good fight. But that wraps up the set of six for this week. Let's jump into our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Do you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season? It's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you more on edge than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre, a Western Sydney's leader soling specialist who help local families take control of their bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Give them a call today on 1820 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season or visit the website www.penrithsolar.com.au. Jake and the crew there, get on board. It's the right time of year. It's heating up. I think ours was time. punching out about 6,000 plus the other day. Had yep. the washer, the dryer, the duct it all going. During the nice sunlight, we've already got 30 degrees down here in the Rift. So, definitely comes in handy around this time of year. Power rankings for the final time. Boxhead, number one, who you got? Uh, the Roosters. I've stuck with the Panthers. I know they haven't played for a long time. And I, as you've said, I think the Roosters are playing up to that standard of football. But minor premiers, one loss, one draw. 
I'll give it to Panthers. Yeah, I've got Panthers. You've probably got the Roosters at two. Yep, 100%. They've been absolutely outstanding the last few weeks. Similar to last year when people said you can't just click it come finals time, they proved to be the exception. They found their way through the season. They came good at the right time. They clicked into gear, and I think they're primed and ready to go again. Storm, we're both pretty firm on at three. Yep, I still don't think they're probably up to the level of those two, but the one thing we do know about Melbourne is 80 minutes... Finals football. They love it. They're not going to give away anything for free. So if one of these teams is just a slight bit off... Yeah, the metal man is standing there ready to go. The liquid man just always keeps on coming. Yeah. Number four for you. Ah, uh, the Raiders. I've got the Raiders as well. I think they've adjusted quite well, given the circumstances, the injuries, the changes. Starling's done a good job. Jack's picked up a bit of the load. I still don't know if they've got enough, if they need to find points in a game. Um, and the Ford Pack's adjusted well. A couple of those guys, in particular Hudson Young and Topine, just jumped out of their skin, but um, they've done really well to recover given the injuries that they had mid-season. Horsberg, Gula, Soliola, yeah, they have Hodgson. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's been, I think, if I'm a Canberra, and they've probably fan, got a couple of tap-ins the next two weeks. Yep, number five, Eels. Yep, not the greatest win on the weekend, but a win. They still got themselves in for the top four. They're going to get two chances. I still think Dylan Brown is just a huge loss from the forward packs. Definitely not playing as well as When's what they Brown should back? be. They reckon not until week till final, so okay. that was the one thing I thought if the Raiders were up for the fight and the Tigers did roll them this week and they played week one, mm. they're probably lucky that they would get the Sharks yeah. without Brown, but if they would have fell to, say, play a Souths or a Newcastle could have been week one without Brown, it could have been a first week issue, but yeah. um, I still think even with Brown, if he's been out for that long off surgery, you can't rely on him week two to yeah. save you. They're, like, they're going to need to find something. Yep. In this week, really, some form-wise. Number six, Souths. Yeah, Souths. Yeah. Not Only a, just. Yeah. But that was a horrendous loss. Well, they had that little hot period there, and then they lost the trail. Then they've had a couple of suspensions and Totolo and a few they're a guys. Bored. You know, they, they sort of go, well, we can't finish top four. Yeah. It's a game we should have won. You know, we've got the Roosters next week. Then we've got finals. We know we're in. We know we're going to play Newcastle. Realistically, it's... Uh, whether it's home or away, it doesn't really matter with COVID. So I can see why they'd be a little bit distracted. So I expect to see South Sydney really improve this week coming up against the Roosters well, and wanting a good performance prior to the finals. Sewer, one-week suspension, he'll be back. Looks like Totola may be back this week. If not, they say he'll be right for finals, which definitely helps. And yeah. Gagai has been named three or four weeks in a row. Hasn't played. He'll be back in, which comes in handy considering they pulled Masters the other week and put Jet out in the centres. That's not an ideal situation. The one thing I think that's worked out quite well is Allen at fullback. He's had some nice touches the last few weeks. Some of his ball playing, some of the tap on. So he's definitely not the trail, but his pedigree as a fullback coming through was the Australian under-20s fullback up there at Brisbane. He's kind of had his park blocked a little bit there, but I think he's been okay. So Totola, Sewer back in after a week. Gagai, fill in a couple more of those holes and come back week one with Sewer and Totola back on board with Tommy. Murray hopefully playing some better football. Uh, see what they can do. I, don't, I still don't think they're a title threat, but week one, if they get a win, week two, if they get somebody who's come off a hard game or some injuries, they might be able to give them some drama. Who knows? Number seven, Newcastle. I think pretty straightforward. Yeah, Newcastle. Good yeah. result on the weekend. Um, got a couple of blokes back on board. Ponga, Barney have had a rest. Both the Safidis are now back on the team. Still don't know if they're going to be much of a threat in the finals, but if they're home week one... That definitely helps. And number eight, Sharks. Still haven't beat yep. anyone in the eight. Some really bad injuries on the weekend, but 
at the end of the day, um, people can complain all they want or say they shouldn't be there. And I know the Titans are coming good now and the Warriors are coming good for that period of time. But over the 20 rounds, obviously, um, they've won enough games. They beat the teams under them. That's the reason why they're in the position they're in. Do I think that one or two of those teams outside with less injuries in the form they're coming into would be more competitive? Week one, given the circumstances now, I do. But that's the beauty of the competition. Yeah. You need to be consistent for a larger part of the year to find the eight, and they've been more consistent than a few of those teams that are starting to find form or combinations at this time of the year. So yeah. It's just the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. But there you go. Power rankings for the last time this year, brought to you by... The Penrith Solar Centre, give them a call, 1800 or www.penrithsolar.com.au. Get on board. Things are heating up. Summer's not too far away. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Boxhead, Dogs versus Seahawks, 26-16. Basically, I think, said enough in the set of six when we brought it up. I just think they basically thought they were entitled to a win. Thought they disrespected the Bulldogs, and as we've seen all year, they don't give anything away for free. No. That they've lost some games that they've led, but they certainly don't lack effort. Um, they came red hot. I thought they rolled too easily through the middle. I thought South were really lackadaisical in that area. They struggled to get out of yardage. Just some really, really poor errors and penalties, and they got frustrated. That's one thing in some of their worst games this year is more just their ball handling and putting themselves in bad positions. But the dogs were great. They really were good. Avarillo, another game in the half, still would have liked to, like I said before. Seen him play with Foran before he got injured, but thought he did a solid job. All their forwards chipped in, did a solid job. Lost those couple of players. Luckily had the backup hooker on the bench and backup half and readjusted to the situation, but fully entitled to that win. And I think, been saying it for weeks as well, I know that Brisbane had beaten them head-to-head, but their season as a whole, compared to Brisbane's as a reflection, I really didn't think they deserved the wooden spoon. So the, the chase is not over. But it's still really hard, given what Brisbane's dished up this year, to see them winning this weekend. Yeah, you'd like to think they'd fire up for a local derby, last game, Darius Boyd send off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if the Bulldogs do end up avoiding the spoon, I think it's well deserved. Yeah, well, after that type of win, you know, my my thinking around it was that uh, they probably deserved it because the last, you know, they had their chance against Brisbane and and bombed it. But they've this is a big scalp. It's a top eight team. Yeah, Brisbane haven't got anywhere near. Um, teams of this calibre. So uh, right at this point in time, Brisbane thoroughly deserve it. They've been smacked around a lot more than the Bulldogs, oh, no doubt about that. Against terrible. They've had a lot of issues off the field. Not to say that the Bulldogs haven't, but... Uh, they've got better cattle than the Bulldogs, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the effort of the Bulldogs, it would be hard to see them get the wooden spoon because based on effort, they certainly don't deserve it. But, no. uh, you know, you need talent and effort, so... Uh, this will be an interesting round. I can't see Penrith getting rolled by the Bulldogs, but I could definitely see the Broncos pulling one out and, and defeating the Cowboys, particularly the way the Cowboys are playing and the fact that it's Darius Boyd's last game. Brisbane are going to want to end this wretched season on a high. They've never won a wooden spoon. So, yeah, I could certainly see Brisbane uh, winning and relinquishing that unwanted award and, and handing it back over to the Bulldogs, which would make it probably twice as heartbreaking for the Doggies because they you know they probably think they're avoiding avoided it at the moment. But you know if it landed back in their hands it would be it would be a real disappointment and probably very undeserved. Yep. I totally but this agree. game I, Souths were just off the ball. Bombed a multitude of tries. So they 
Jed's oh. drop, like one-handed going in, yeah. right, mate? Just lazy. Two arms, lack dive of awareness, in, get low. Lack of care. There was a couple of, of concentration. ripper try saves by Jackson. Jackson yeah. pulled two up. Murray was almost in. Cody Walker looked to shoe in and got pulled down. Tolman, I know he's off contract and he's not the most impactful player, but he worked his ass off. He had another good game. And uh, probably appropriate result for Jackson's 200th and what he's dished up for that club. He's got a lot of war wounds and probably is a lot older physically and mentally given the circumstances he's been in for the last few years of his career leading in that club. But probably no one more deserving of a win given the circumstances, given the year and in his 200th game. Yeah. Um, he was great. But for Souths, like we said, few things there. Play one kick from Johnson off that break, I just didn't understand. The bloke wasn't in the clear even when he kicked it. He had a man right next to him. That was blown. The two or three, like we said, that were saved. Um, Jed's drop over the line. That ample opportunity. And to say that they were robbed or anyone to bring up the sewer sin bin, like Jackson Paulo, no try. You got six points for free. Yeah. So you can't complain. They just weren't up to scratch. Um, they need to be better. And going to have to be better, obviously, come finals time. And they're getting basically a finals type team this weekend. They're resting a few players, but we all know how stacked the Roosters are still. So yeah. I think they're going to cop both barrels. And if they're not ready, if they get dusted this weekend or have a bad weekend heading into, say, Newcastle, in Newcastle with low confidence, could be all done week one, season over. But let's hope we get a ripper. Usually Roosters, Rabbitohs is a good game of football. Panthers, Cowboys, uh, this one up there, wrapped up the minor premiership. And why I don't think they played for the full 80 minutes, I think as we've kind of seen all year, which is one thing for Penrith, whether they've only played for 40 minutes or 50 minutes in a game or had a bit of a cold spell, they're just that good across the park. They're in the patches when they're on. They'll just rip you to shreds. Their left side in particular, again, Jerome Luai playing square, playing nice and wide, kick out on the outside. You've got to be accountable to him. Crichton, offloading, physical, one of the best catch passes you're going to see on an 18-year-old. Like a lot of centers that have had 10-year careers don't have the catch pass division, the ability to play square that he does. Get up for the football. Kick out Skittle and blokes and getting up for footies as well. Not only is Luai good on the outside, he's ball playing, he's short stuff, but the fact that as soon as they get lazy on the inside, just tracks that all game and the moment it starts happening, cuts back in. Makes yeah. inside defenders accountable. If you're not tying in, if you're not talking, if you're not connected, he finds seams there, but... Uh, They've really been the story, I guess, for the run in here, how hot that left-hand side's been. And all the talk about Nathan all year. I, I, I know Luai's starting to get some of the raps, but I honestly think out of the two of them, especially in attack. I know Nathan's playing that more behind-the-scenes role at times and kicking and controlling the side, but Jerome's just gone to another level. And later on in the game, the right-hand side got in on the action. Nath set a couple up. Toto obviously get over. Uh, had a nice one there from an offload where Crichton rolled around the other side of the field and Nath backed up as any good half did and threw a ripper pass with a small window of opportunity back inside to Naden. Um, Cowboys, yeah, they had some, some moments in the game, but Penrith were never under threat. Ugly game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. ugly game. Penrith was scrappy second half, but uh, to be excused and they got the job done. They did what they needed to do. Yeah, won the minor premiership. It's a tough day trip, especially under Travel the current up, conditions, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the Cowboys, they're just begging for this season to be over. And I guess probably the upside again, like we spoke about the last few weeks, if someone needed to be rested or if they were good to go, Penrith have catered to that situation. So they took the opportunity here. Appy's concussion, no risks. And Tamiya, a bit of a knock, no risk. They gave minutes to Kenny. Catewell got extra minutes. Hetherington played his first kind of stint. Lane who picked up extra minutes for Tamiya. So a bit of benefit in rolling a couple of guys in. And it wouldn't surprise me again this weekend. We've already seen... 
some changes while I've been sitting here. I've looked at the lineup. Uh, there's a few guys on the outer of that squad. It wouldn't surprise me if they made a few late changes again. Yeah. Just given the circumstances and who they're playing. But Cowboys, their edges have been poor all year. They were poor on the night. They've just got to figure out what we've already talked about for next year, where they're heading. Get Morgan healthy. Put him in the halves. Is it Clifford? Is it Drinkwater? I don't know. I really don't. I don't think they know. There's been talk about Brandon Smith going back up there. Well, I don't know what kind of sense that makes to me when I think Cotter's been playing well and they signed Robson on a long-term deal and I thought he was good before he got injured. Like, how many hookers do you want to stockpile or spend money on? I, that one yeah. didn't, that didn't make sense to me when you've invested long term in Robson who did show good signs. So it doesn't make sense. Um, no. Yeah, Holmes has had some moments at the back end of the year. He definitely needs to come back better. There's definitely going to be some players joining Cooper on the outer, but yeah, I think we've seen they're planning for the future. Tyungi, Pere, they got an exemption I think to get Ben Condon in for his first game of the weekend. He's from their development squad. So yeah, um, last round haven't seen a lineup yet, but I'm assuming similar deal again. Just play those guys. Cooper's farewell and Todd Payton takes over. Fresh approach next year. Yeah, potentially interesting. Some interesting. faces. See if he can take what he took from the Warriors and that attitude and what he brought to the group. And yeah, it'll it. certainly be a, a new chapter for the club, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. Eels, Broncos, 26-12. Uh, very scrappy. 26, 20-6 at half time, but for Parramatta, second half, the only try. Scrappy pickup from field, basically going the other way. They're impatient. They still aren't punching enough through the middle. Doesn't look as slick. Moses, the talk, and again, you hear like that he's regressed or taken a few steps backwards. I don't even think it's so much that. I, I think he's just feeling the pinch that much that he's just trying to fire a bullet on every play. And if not, he's the complete opposite where the week before, like say, when the Penrith had him under pressure and he's on the back foot where. He's literally just not on the ball. He's not trying to dig him out of a hole and he's too worried about kicking rather than trying to find a way into the game another way or yeah. them trying to break out of their boring one-out carries and yardage or get some width or throw something up. Like, they haven't really grown or developed at all during the year. They started this powerhouse forward, packed it offloaded the football, created second phase, rolled off the back of it. And in particular, they had a dominant right edge, uh, left edge, sorry. The right edge is very, very good, but they didn't seem to play a whole lot there. That hasn't really been worked on. That hasn't really been built up. The forward pack's slowly been blunted a bit. The offloads have sort of stemmed. They've just become predictable. And take Brown out, as we said, who had that sort of X factor to be able to get the football, relieve a bit of a pressure, take the line on, just something from a little bit of point of difference or a bit of confidence for a 19-year-old that's just gone missing. The hooker situation hasn't really helped either. I know Marnie's kind of been in and out, but they don't really have much cover for that, but... Um. Yeah, they they need to find something this week, and they need to find it fast. But there was some really really erratic passes and lack of patience inside twenty. When you're struggling in attack and inside twenty, and you're like again, I've said this a million times, you're the smarter one out of me and you. When your team's struggling in twenty, the last thing you want to see them do is just piss the football away. If you're struggling down there, worst case, build pressure, try to get repeats, or hand it over in a worse position. But the last thing you want to do is not use all your tackles. Use all your tackles, build pressure, try to get repeat sets, yeah. or bury them in a corner, beat the shit out of them. Try Sometimes them it's, it's avoiding feel. losing the game before you can actually win yep. it. So Parramatta are probably in a position at the moment where they're creating situations where they are placing themselves under pressure through no fault of their own. Uh, no fault of the opposition. Or all of the fault of their own, I should say. Yeah. Um, 
which is just making it very difficult to win games. And like I said, it's it's that notion of learning not to lose, and and that enables you to be in positions to win games. And I think they've really moved away from that power powerhouse post to post football, and they're trying to finesse the ball sideways. And I think a lot of that comes back to Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown only knows one way. He plays nice and direct, nice and straight. Um, and Moses at the moment is really wanting to finesse the ball. He's not digging into the line. Uh, and, yeah, he's, he looks a little bit lost on the field at the moment. So I, I really think he needs Dylan Brown back. They've had some issues at hooker with uh, Mahoney injured and struggling. Uh, and they just, they've just they looked a little bit flat over the last month, Parramatta. So it will be interesting to see how the back end of this, uh, the year plays out for the Eels because I, I'm finding it really difficult to get a, a read on them at the moment. Yeah, 100%. And I think... Uh, you know, Gutherson's obviously tried to patch up a little bit of what's been missing there as far as ball playing and found some luck on the weekend. But again, let's be honest, they played the Brisbane Broncos. If there was ever an opportunity to play your way back in a form, that was it. And they weren't overly convincing. So hopefully they can find a bit more continuity this week up against the Tigers. Don't know what you're going to get out of them, in all honesty. But Benji Marshall's last ever game for the club, you'd like to think they're going to pull out all stops this weekend and try and get a win. Chris Lawrence as well, who's been a long-term servant, been there forever now. I think debuted yeah. 05 or 06, for crying out loud. So they've got two long-term servants there that they should be fired up to send off in the right way. So Parramatta need to be up for this game, I'd assume. Need to definitely fix some things up. But Broncos, uh, I don't even know what to say. They'll average again, really. I think that Parramatta Perfect. played to a pretty low level and, yeah, they just were pretty much the same old, same old. Wasn't a whole lot positive to speak about, and the sooner the season ends for them, the better. Absolutely, yeah. Manly Titans, 42-24. How good. Outstanding. Outstanding. Absolutely loved it. Tell us what you're thinking, mate. I hey, really fucking loved it, mate. But, like, honestly... I loved my team beating the fuck out of Manly I, at Brookvale. I only said this to Dad the other day. I was like, Dad, I think things are starting to turn. All right? The Gold Coast, there's no noise. They're signing key players. And then in my situation, you've got the Melbourne thing. Players are going. There's talk about the Fox. Smith retiring. Maybe the wheel's starting to turn, mate. The Patriots lost Brady. Yeah. Maybe... The Falcons sp- led by 20 and decided to lose I was again. Say, maybe your sporting time's coming, but then the Falcons did what they did this weekend. But yeah, I it- still think the Falcons are all right. Like, I don't, I don't think... You watch them, I'll watch them, and I don't think they're a bad team, but... But the Titans. played two good teams and they've fucking found two. Yeah, like we just spoke about with uh, Parramatta, the Falcons do not know how to not lose. They need to learn how not to lose and then they'll win. Anyway, um, the Titans, yeah, well, consistency in key positions, uh, good coaching, a simple game plan, yeah. strong defence. Um, Basically all fundamentals and just key areas that you put into a team and hope they would follow really learning a lot how of not to lose they are not making those same good dumb attitude good discipline errors that they've made for so many yeah. years you know you know the one play out of this this whole game that really signified and probably embodied where Brimson. the Titans are at yep good Brimson football picked that fucking football up confidence and absolutely hightailed it back to the 20 yeah. all the Titans were on side he taps it runs a length and scores uh, and that was the the most exciting, but um, the most fulfilling part of watching that game on the weekend. That's that's coaching, that's coaching, that's effort, 
that's fundamentals, that's just a really, really simple play that has a huge, huge impact on the result. And it was lazy football from Manly, but lazy football isn't exposed without good football on the other side. And um, I think AJ Brimson's improved out of sight in the last you know five or six weeks. But Fogarty, you know, it doesn't well, Fogarty enough credit for what he's coming in down. Unbelievable, he's been unbelievable all year. But just the impact that uh, Brimson's had now that he said to Holbrook, "This is where I want to play." Holbrook's picked him there. He's been yeah. consistent. He's backed him. And his development is really starting to excel. So now look at, it, it all looks exciting. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I don't know. I just, I just want to see it in the early rounds next year because it's easy to sort of play this way now when you know you can't play finals. So there's that part of it as well. And we've done this a few times. But I think it's this plain and simple, right? The recruitment decisions they've made. I, I think. There's some big names, yes, but I think they're different to the Haynes situation in the yeah. sense that I don't think these guys of character and the situation they're in now will come in and derail or change what they've done. So what you'd like to look at, and you know this yourself as a coach, if you've come in, got around these good kids, found your Fogarty's, given game time to Spry, Furmore, Stones, all those kind of guys, worked your way through this group, found a couple of good outside backs, found a pretty steady spine, it looks like now, maybe... Long term, again, maybe it's Taylor, maybe it's not, depending on how next year goes, contract negotiations, price, etc. Hooker, really good forwards come in with a couple of good young forwards. If they buy into what the culture and what you've been established and the fundamentals of what you guys have been doing now, and you add Tino, SESI, Fafita, and they play to their ability mixed in with what you've got going on, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think finals would be on the radar. Yeah. Depth may be an issue, like some teams, but again, that's part of this rebuild. But I see a lot of positives there. I see a half and a fullback that are definitely in there for the long term. If Taylor gets to some sort of solid semblance and they redo the contract at a reasonable rate and he plays to a decent ability, maybe he, he is at the Titans moving forward. I don't know. Nine still needs to be sorted, but I think they've got enough out of whoever they've played there for this season. I don't know who they go with next year. I definitely don't think it's going to be Pete or Aaron Clark, but he's a cheap young option that they'll probably keep around. Rain seems to have been his option when he's been healthy. Absolutely. Um, again, not costing you an arm and a leg, so it's not something you have to but put your house on long term. It's flexible, but I like Spry, the few games I've seen. I've liked the bits of semi I've seen in fullback, centre wing, anywhere that he's basically been played by Holbrook. The ability to turn around the attitude of a couple of guys that look like dud boys in Peachy and Jared Wallace in particular who for a while there, I was just like, do you want the Titans to lose with the errors and penalties and just the carry-on? Like, when you do all these things and start to head things in the right direction, if the few players coming in buy into the same principles and the way that Justin Holbrook's building it, there's a real possibility that with good health and similar form that they're playing finals football next year. Mm-hmm. Honestly. And the biggest wins of all, again, like any of the real, real bad contracts that you wanted to get out of, they now have. I know, unbelievable. They froze out Cartwright, basically, from any move, any negotiation, anything, to the point where 
after six or eight weeks where he's been back in Sydney trying to find any interest or any sort of deal, no one was interested. So it basically came to the point where either come back or leave. And they've got out of it with a year to spare. So they've basically, with him and Boyd, found another million dollars back in the cap just from two moving on for different reasons. Boyd had a combination of injuries, homesickness, a lot of things that, again, the club probably would have been happy about because when you invest in the play, you'd like to think long-term it works out. But if someone's got head knocks and other issues and they're missing out, like, that's just one of those situations you can't help. It's unfortunate. But yeah. the Bryce situation, I think they're in a real win right now because for a few years they weren't winning. Brennan stitched them out with an absolute shithouse deal, let's be all honest. A lot of the bad deals are gone. And the only kind of two left coming into the season now that you would have considered looking like bad deals was Wallace and Peachy, and he's got them playing some all right football. And Taylor's contract, same deal. Um, definitely not worth that sort of value, but if you can get him playing decent football and potentially negotiate longer term at a, a better rate, who knows? He might stay for half the money. He might play that sort of ability where they go, all right, you've won for the last few years. Maybe it's time you repay a little bit of faith if we're going to keep you around. I, I, I don't know. Yep. A lot of signs are positive. For Manly, there wasn't a lot of positive take out of it. Tommy comes back. You expected him to be rusty, and this is the thing. You shouldn't be relying on one player to turn your team around, and that's the way they've built this side. They've paid too heavily for a couple of guys. One of them's going to be moving on. They're losing Thompson. The hook situation's no clearer. Farno's potentially still got issues, even though they're trying to re-sign him right now. Halves partner. Do you push with Schuster? Do you go with Cust? Do they bring Foreign back? Outside backs, so-so. There's a lot of questions to be asked for Manly moving forward. Yeah. More worryingly, and especially if I'm a Manly fan, Brookvale was always a place you didn't want to go. And for most weeks, off a loss or a bounce back or even with players missing, you generally always lean sort of towards Manly at Brookvale. This year, it's just been a non-factor. Mm-hmm. It has made no difference. And to get towed up that way at Brookvale, very embarrassing. surprised. Yeah, embarrassing. Very surprised. I, I was shocked at the market disparity in the betting market. Oh, well, what did I say last week? If there's one bet I was yeah, happy to take. We both said it. You guys on the outside, like, man, I thought that one was just ordinary. I thought at worst, maybe you make it a picker market if you think Tommy's coming back. Yeah. But I didn't think Tom suddenly swung the game two tries or whatever in the favour of Manly, given their form. I don't think it deserved to go swinging that so far the other way. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of bias there, I guess, in just one player as opposed to a team that had been playing well, won three in a row, and you know, you got multiple guys playing well in different positions. You're attacking well, you're defending your line. They've been great inside 20, so... Uh, yeah, I really did think that was the better of the round. Paid off. Oh, absolutely. So, there you go. Good signs again for the Titans. Let's hope they close things out, win or loss this weekend, and heading to uh, 2021, building on what they've established this year. Storm Tigers, 50-22. Um... From my perspective, they scored at will, but still some issue defensively. And, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I, I I still get worried when people say, oh, well, they just in second gear. I, at times, yeah, I think they were doing what they needed to do when they wanted to click into gear. They found points when they leaked those couple of tries in a row straight away when they put the foot back on the throat, similar to the Cowboys. They found points quite easily. They carved up both the edges. They rolled pretty easily through the middle. Tino, Nelson, etc. All good. Smith was in control. Hughes improved out of sight this season, etc., etc. But it really worries me up against, again, what we've talked about. What's moving ahead? Surely, I'm, I'm sure they'll elevate and I'll be a lot more keen and I'll show a lot more resolve defensively. But in particular, 
some of the decisions around the middle and then on our right edge, which is the dominant left-hand side of both the Roosters and, say, the Panthers, heading into finals yeah. is a real worry for some of the soft tries that have been let in. Um, if they're going to get pulled apart in the middle or be indecisive and hold off when you've got Luai, who's got the ability to beat you with his feet, hit a kick out, who gets defenders to bite in and create extra numbers, Crichton's catch pass or ability to beat a man one-on-one who Branko got beat the other week in the Cowboys game and on the weekend, that's a concern. Roosters load up that left-hand side. Tedesco sweeping around, Kiri, Cordner, Morris has formed Tupo. You know, there's there's a real worry there for me in that regard. Uh, the middle, one of the middle tries on the weekend was a bit soft. I honestly just think, yeah, they probably were down a peg, but I just do question that, in particular, that one side of the field come finals time against those two sides, they're both red hot there, that that could be a real problem. Mm. I'm sure they, they can elevate, and I don't think they're playing to the best of their ability, but there are some vulnerabilities, I think, defensively in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, there there are, but I, I feel as though when I watched that game on the weekend that they they kicked up a gear, Melbourne. I think they played a lot, a lot faster, a lot more direct, a lot more aggressive. You know, we got to watch them a fortnight ago live, and I, I felt like they were a little bit slow. Yeah, they were. Uh, but on the weekend, I noticed that they were a lot faster, a lot sharper. So I think Bellamy and the staff up there have got them really ticking along and, and coming into their best footy at the right time of the year. But, you know, there, there are more question marks at this point of the season over Melbourne than probably what they have been in the last, you know, decade. Well, usually it's the other way around. Usually defensively, you'd think that's the only way they're going to win a game. Yeah. In the last few years, it's been, can we generate more than 18 points against one of those yeah. sides? Right now, I think with the Ford pack, the way our left edge in particular is going, Hughes doing a good job on the right and, you know, the impact we get off our bench, points necessarily aren't the problem. I think they can chase. I think they can generate the second phase. Pappenhausen is a spark plug. Like, they've got impact. I think the bigger issue, yeah, is defensively. They're still a very good defensive side, but against those two in an 80-minute contest in particular, that, that edge, it does worry me. Yeah. But I guess we'll find out come crunch time because week one, it's probably going to be the Roosters. If they can knock the Roosters off week one, there's no reason not to believe, or if they go close. But I do feel if they have to go the long way around the mountain, I'll be a bit worried. If they have to go through Roosters and Penrith to get back to, say, the grand final. But if they can beat the Roosters week one, I'll be completely convinced that they're a premiership threat. Yep. Without a doubt. Yeah. And we'll see. Oh, that's going to be such a good game. Oh, can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. But uh, Tigers, again, I, I don't really know what to say. Season needs, season needs to end. Their best player is Harry Grant, and he's not even from the club. Alia, who I think has been close to their best forward, luckily cleared of an ACL, thank God. Uh, wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Cartlidge damage, apparently. Still think Benji's probably the best spark plug. I know he's defensively an issue, but uh, if he's not going to be there next year, Reynolds, Brooks, Struck, Matt, like, uh, I don't know. I, I get the cap situation kind of thing, but on the same token, like we said, they're saying, oh, we can only fit four or five guys in with $800,000, but you go sign James Tarmel. Like He would be on huge coin, but he's certainly going to take up close to half of what you said you had to fit five players in. So all the messaging is just a bit hypocritical yeah, and a bit mixed. Uh, if you just want to move on from him, I don't know why you just come out and say we're moving on, plain and simple. But for me, I still think there's a club for Benji Marshall. At this point, Absolutely, the yeah. smarter move, and we said this while I'm dinner before, I think it's the Bulldogs. 
Yeah, we both agreed that they sort of came out of our mouth at the same time. I don't think they need to go on the market and make stupid buys. I'm sure he'll try and cherry pick a couple of people from Penrith and Manly because he knows them. Buy a couple more kids, uh, you know, settle in for 12 months, get your staff in, have a look at the pathways, have a look at the club top to toe. I wouldn't just be trying to blow all the money because I've said this before when we talked about the Gold Coast as well that to me, the free agent market next year is a ripper. There's a lot of good players off contract next year. So I wouldn't be looking to make any real drastic moves unless I was sold on some guys right now. But with Blake Green being injured, sure, he'll be able to mentor somewhat at training. But with a young guy like an Avarillo, who's a really good runner of the football and a bit of a spark plug, Jeremy, Benji's brother's there, an opportunity to play those two together. And he's not greedy. He's not looking for much money. I think you could get a real bargain deal for someone that potentially you'll need to play with some of those guys next year. And or you get another mentor. Have Green, Marshall... Work with Avrilo, I think he's a shoe in one of those half spots. If Green Green's healthy, he obviously goes in and probably plays seven with him, which is the perfect partner for an Avrilo. Um, but yeah, then you've got, I guess, Wakeham that you can work with. Lewis, I think, is someone they can maybe convert almost to third end role the way he plays. Yeah. He defends very well. Again, as far as the forward pack goes, I don't ideally want him probably as my third end, but uh, with Jackson. Fitala Marano. I, I still kind of think Jackson's future with the way his leg speed's going and the type of player is, to me, he's the 13. He's the sort of guy I look at now and think I'd move him into lock. Fitala Marano's there. I'd be targeting a back row moving forward along with other key areas that they need. They obviously need a nine. They obviously need some key players in those kind of positions. But I, I just think Benji on the cheap wouldn't be a bad move for the Bulldogs in this situation. That's just my opinion. Mm. But Tigers... Uh, oh, no, I agree. I, I just don't want to repeat what you've just no, said. It's the farewell this weekend for Benji and Lawrence. Let's hope they have a much better game and, and dig in for two guys that have served that club for such a long time. Two of their better players. Roosters, 34 eight and have the Sharks. You can take out whoever you want. They're still just too good a football side. Yeah. And Mitchell Orbison, of all people, rightfully so, now owns the record for the most cat rooster. Unbelievable. That was um, such a cool thing to see the other night. Um, Hard given the circumstances too. You know, I was, he was in a Harold Matthews squad with me back in 2003. Yeah, there you go. He's my age. I think he debuted 05 or 06. Country boy. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, just And just one of those unsung guys. How fitting was it that he scored a double? Yeah. They had a, they had a good win. Well, Joey Marnie stitched they him just up. They just looked such a... Um, set him up with one not long after. Such a happy, confident, calm, professional club. And there's just, I just don't see any holes in them at the moment if they're all fit and healthy. You know, someone can beat them. I'm not saying that they're unbeatable. No. But I mean, you are going to have to be at your best to beat them. They are not going to beat themselves. And going back to that line that I keep going through tonight, they are a club that just does not beat themselves. Them and the Melbourne Storm are the liquid men, the metal men, whatever you want to call them. They just do, they keep coming and keep coming. They are relentless, they are consistent, they are professional, and they do not beat themselves. They are just a model for excellence and what every club within the competition should aspire to be. And, you know, the Panthers, I think, are getting onto that level. The, the test of the Panthers is going to be to do it for year on, year on, yep. year on. Maintain squad, uh, roll players yep. in and out, replace, yep. win dirty. Win with players out, create that culture mm-hmm. um, of, of consistency. Keep the pathway churn. Yep. But, um, yeah. And yeah, I think, again. You just watch them. It's, it, I always watch the Roosters every week. Yeah. 
because I just love watching them play. And it's to the point you've just made, though, a similar deal. Like, if you told me 12 months ago, even two years ago, the Morris brothers, I was at the point where I'm like, they probably both need to retire. Yeah. They weren't not playing to first grade standard, but they weren't what they were. I looked at them and thought, ah, you know, they might retire. But they go to an outfit like the Roosters, revitalise their careers, put them in a great environment, get them keen to play footy again. And start of this year, it was looking like a swan song. And now they're talking about both going around again for another season. And they're playing rep level of football. Yes, they're playing in a quality side with other quality players, but the environment, the coaching, the whole culture of the place has brought them up to a level where they look like they're in their mid-20s again. Yeah. They get the best out of their kids. They replace the minimal amount they have or they make really smart, as we've said before, decisions in junior recruitment because they don't have a lot of juniors. They're very specific in who they get, how they develop them, what they bring to that pathway. And for the very slim picking that they make, it's even more crucial that they're correct, yeah. which they have been. And similar, again, like you're saying, to Penrith long-term. Penrith have got this ridiculously great pathway, but compared to, say, a Melbourne or a Roosters where you've got to be really smart with your decisions or fine talent or grow your own talent or squeeze more out of an orange that someone else has looked at and thought it was rubbish, they're going to have to build in that consistency, that culture, but also roll over the right players or make right decisions at the right times to stay consistent long-term, like Melbourne and like the Roosters have. Mm-hmm. But we've seen it before, like Collins... 20s player up at Brisbane, not highly rated. A couple of years developing this system. Now they're talking about him playing Origin this year. Satili so Tupanua was built like an absolute rake and still isn't the biggest man on earth. Wyong pathway, a couple of years there waiting to get in. Now they're starting back row. Butcher comes yeah. through their system. Country kid, good. Billy Smith got injured star this year, but I can tell you if he's healthy and ready to go next year, I had full confidence that he would have replaced Latrell No Worry and what they're doing. Manu, targeted, selected, brought through their junior pathway. Gets no plaudit sitting out in the right edge, but should get plenty. And when he fills in at fullback, he could go play fullback for most clubs in the NRL. When easily. He's not there. Yep, easily. Right. They just they make good decisions. South with the Kiri situation, getting on that, bringing him over, furthering his development. Like, you can't give them enough raps for what they do with their own players, their recruitment. Obviously, they do well there. Part of that comes back to what you said before. People want to go there. Whether people like it or not, people want to play at the Roosters. Yeah. And it comes down to, I won't name a name, but a bloke I played with at Canberra was lucky enough to spend one season there. He was a late pickup. He was cover uh, for a player that had had some dramas with injuries. He played, I think, 10 minutes the whole season. He was brought over there, minimum wage player and that. And he goes, mate, I've never been... Tr-. like Not that he was mistreated at the few other clubs he'd been at, and one of those clubs was Canberra. He said, honestly... At the end, he retired. I think he'd been at five or six clubs. He said, I've never been at a better club than the Roosters out of all the ones I've been at. And he had more important roles and more minutes and more games than other ones. He goes, but honestly, to the 10 minutes I had, to how I was treated, to the facilities, the club, the dock, just everything. He said, every single level of it, the Roosters were better than any other club I'd been at. And he'd been at two sides during these times that had won competitions. Seen different coaches, environments, clubs, everything. Um, he hadn't been in a Melbourne or a Brisbane to compare some of those bigger clubs, but out of the five he'd went to, and they're all pretty good clubs, I won't name all of them because I'll probably give it away, from his experience and only playing 10 minutes but being the whole year there and the way they treated him, he was not treated like a cup player or a fringe player or what he was brought there to do. He said it was the best club he'd been at by a country more, which speaks to all those things we've just talked about. Mm. Sharkies, though. Absolutely crueled. Morris has had to deal with plenty, but this is a real savage blow heading into the finals. Johnson, massive, massive. you know, a million dollar contract, 
torn Achilles, that basically means that you're not going to be ready for next year. And it's already a, a hard circumstance to turn around. Hunt, a bargain buyer that he found from the Canberra system, played at Mounties, got a handful of time there. Didn't look like much was going to happen. He's kicked on, been awesome off the bench for them. Dugan's been pretty healthy this year. Knox, injured there. Other guys have been in and out all year. Consistency, other bits and pieces. A million different halves combinations. Townsend, Trindle, Tracy, Moylan. Uh, Moylan now looking like he's on the outer, but talking like they're going to pretty much have to roll the dice, maybe wait one of the finals, just because of the situation. In that, when I heard that this week, I was kind of like, well, I just wouldn't bother. I'm not surprised they want to move him on. I'd be trying to move him on. I'd be happy to pay part of it, but I think long-term, even with someone like Johnson as well, I'd be playing with Trindle and Tracy. I honestly think that Johnson seems to... Oh, sorry. Morris seems to do a better job or things seem to look a bit better when he's got a lot of these kids in that he's had some influence over or some development with or some sort of attachment and for salary cap situation or remodeling things moving forward without a Dugan, a Johnson, a Moylan and get that money free. I think a lot of it's going to be made up of these guys that he's brought through. So yeah. if you're not confident in him, I throw up to Tracy and Trindle. So have a red-hot crack, no pressure. Let's yeah. see what we can do. But yeah, tough night for them in the office the other night. Yeah, well, it, it will be interesting to see what they try this week with the mindset that they're going to run into Canberra again the next week. Yeah. It's, and oh, I, it's, yeah, it's, there won't be many guys in this team that'll be playing again next week. Yeah, There'll be a handful. Harrow and Ira, Soliola, a couple of guys will be in the Canberra 17, but more probably off the bench. But the majority of the starting side for Canberra, probably besides Starling, yeah. uh, is all out realistically. Mm. So... See what happens this weekend. Speaking of Canberra, they came against the Warriors 26-14. Warriors were red hot, very aggressive, came out early, tried to stir them up, certainly worked. They bit in. Uh, they lost George Williams when his head bounced off the floor early. Definitely not an ideal circumstance. Roger popped. Croker on the way through, goes to the HIA. The sin bin to Jack. Everything was looking negative. They looked a bit rattled and they were buying into it, but uh, it all turned to me on the Valamai pickup and run the other way against yeah. the play. It that, did, didn't it? There were, the momentum was yeah. certainly... You thought the Warriors were about to score another try. And, yeah, it was certainly know. with them. But full credit to Canberra. Valamai scores that. They steady the ship. Elliot Whitehead again shows his value. Goes in and plays in the halves, covers. They run that short side late in the tackle count. Recover the football, kick back in field. And before you know it, they're leading at half time. Mm. Um, second half wasn't pretty, but they found a way to win. That's what good teams do. Canberra's a good team. Yep. They've adjusted. They've grown. Guys have improved and stepped up. Harrower and Ira's only gotten better with time. Hudson Young could be one of the most improved players in the competition. To Pine, like I said, probably the last month has found a lot of confidence. And those guys have taken a bit of a burden off a few blokes that are carrying some niggles, in particular Papali, who was good and had to play big minutes here to keep him in that sort of game. Like weeks prior when the games were blowouts, they've just taken him off because he is playing with a few, uh, you know, nicks and crannies there. But, um, you know, George getting knocked out definitely didn't help. Jack's been carrying a lot of burden, obviously, missing Hodgson. But, yeah, considering what they went through, great result. Absolutely. Um, for the yeah. Warriors, everyone thought, again, and most people, that this would be finally a bit of a lull for them, given the fact that their finals hopes are over. But full credit to them. I thought they were great too. They threw the kitchen sink. Didn't win it, but... Um, you, you can't give them any more raps than we probably already have for the way they've handled this whole situation. Just hopefully 
with the changeover next year without Peyton, and I don't know the circumstances. Who's going to be able to come back? Are they in New Zealand? Are they in Sydney? Are they based at Redcliffe where they're going to be feeding into next year? Is Redcliffe playing cut? Like there's so many. There's more variables again next year, given this situation, the circumstance for the Warriors, than there is for anybody else. But I really do hope they can maintain and build on it. Basically, Adam Fenua Blake's already come out today and almost confirmed, without it being confirmed yet, that he will be moving on to the Warriors. So they're picking up a real quality player. Hopefully he can keep his on-field stuff and his personality and all his uh, other bits in check because when he's on, he's one of the best front rows in the competition. Murdoch Masilla come back from the Super League. Again, I haven't watched much of that and I don't know how he'll go, but they're adding players. Ewan Aitken, Kane Evans. So put those guys in, bring back Fussy Tua, Ken Marmola and a few guys that are going home. Um, and Tavita Harrison, I think Nick Arima have actually been pretty good together. Hopefully this continues for the Warriors next year. Yeah. Really do hope that it all works it's, out. Yeah, and it's they've got a lot to, I guess, sort of concern themselves with in terms of where they're going to be set up. Is it going to be in Australia? Is it going to be in New Zealand? Are they going to be able to travel to and from? Um, family situations. It's yeah, it's it's they're in a really, really, really difficult situation in a competition which is hard to get success even on a level playing field. Mm. So what they've done this year has been nothing short of um, outstanding and they've been a credit to that organisation and I think they may have pioneered a new type of culture there because for too long that club has underachieved in far easier conditions than what they've been up against this year. So hopefully this is a new a new way forward for... Um, the Warriors as a franchise and as a club. And again, in particular, forward pack, some really good moves. Um, like I said, if Fenua Blake plays with potential and his best game form, with the way we've seen Tohu, Jazz, Alessia Katoa play their football, if Murdoch Basila can be impact, if Evans plays the way he has off the bench for Parramatta, it could have be a hell of a forward pack at its best. Yeah, It really is. And that kind of platform, the second phase, Suits this halves pairing, in particular Nick Arima to free flow. I think Tavita, kicking game's been good. He's shown he's tough defensively. He's only going to get better as far as ball playing development. He's only 20 years old. He's yeah. a kid. Hiku, form much better. Put those two international wingers back on there. Aitken, tough running centre. Could be a handy sight, really could. Could be a real good turnaround in 12 months. Um, and I think that Redcliffe pathway and then being in SG, as we said this year, which is obviously COVID affected, was only going to be a positive for their junior pathways moving forward. So. Yeah. Good signs. But Canberra, great win under trying circumstances. I know Sticky wasn't happy, but um, great win. A lot of things obviously went against them, or they felt went against them, and, and they found a way, and that's what you want. And a couple of guys back on board. Rest for a few guys this week, ready to attack week one, and hopefully they get someone who's been busted and beaten up after a tough game uh, in that top four for the second week. And who knows? I think Canberra's the only one out of that bottom half I can kind of see upsetting somebody yeah. on a day. I don't think any of the other three have a chance. I don't think Canberra can win the comp, mind you. Me but I definitely no, think they could take out one of that top four and find themselves in a prelim final. They could. I really do think they could. They could. So, fingers crossed uh, the green machine powers on. And the last one here, Newcastle Dragons. This was a joke. Honestly. Like, <laughs> if anyone wants to blame yeah. Mary now, I know they go, I oh, know the season's up there, all that. But that's and this all, is what I was saying, Dragons fans. Just like, be careful what you wish for. Griffin's got a lot to do, but he's he's not going to be a miracle cure. Wayne Bennett coming back wouldn't have been a miracle cure. Fuck, Craig Bellamy couldn't fix this in 12 months. If you got blokes with a shit attitude who aren't pulling in the same direction, who are only worried about me or not doing their job, 
you've got a lot bigger problems. But as has been alluded to, again, in a cryptic way by Gus and other people, there's more than just problems with the squad, the salary cap, junior development, pathways, there's fractions in the board. Like, yeah, there's a fair bit going on. So Griffin's definitely got a bit of a situation to walk into. And again, it's easy to say it, and plenty of people said it, we've said it as well, but like Mick Ennis and a few people go, get, they've got to get rid of Norman. It's like, well, no one's taking that deal. Yeah. Ben Hunt, like, oh, take him out to Brisbane. How much do you have to fucking pay to get rid of him? Like, if you want him gone and you think he's a better nine, but that pisses off McInnes, if he doesn't want to be locked, but you still want to keep Jack, who you don't know if Jack's going to be... Like, there's just so many question marks and a lot of hypotheticals to go off. We had Jack and Cam, and like, yeah, you go, well, that's not a short. It's not mm-hmm. a sure thing. There is only one thing that's certain. You've got a halfback who looks like he's now better as a hooker, on $1.2 million that no one's going to touch that contract with a 10-foot pole unless you're paying at least half of it, mm. minimum. And then you've got your nine who looks very good as a 13, but you've got a 13 who you think you may have, but you don't know if you're going to... like. You, you're basing a lot of things on that. And same deal again, salary cap-wise. They probably got themselves too top-heavy on a few guys, in particular $2 million and the halves. And they signed a few of those origin forwards after on big deals and... Tyson's finding his way out the door and I think Dean Young summed it up when he basically said that they would have got beaten by an under eight side and that their best players were all their kids like Lomax was great Ramsey showed some energy the last few weeks I don't understand as I said before outside backs on the bench Fee guy just play play both the twins play Eddie Blacker and I think he's getting a game this week Jaden Sullivan is getting a debut anything you've got that's good and young and fresh or part of what you've got moving forward give him a game yeah. your season's over no argument I don't know no what's going to happen in the off-season, but I have no doubt because Griffin is a pretty straightforward bloke that maybe there is one or two people that get the tap on the shoulder or they do explore trying to free up some cap space or what they can do. But I think maybe given his past relationship with Norman and Hunt that that might buy them next season yeah. given the circumstances. But I have no doubt he's black and white and if he can't turn things around or they can't turn things around that maybe the noises will come early next year if they don't in the preseason, if things can't turn around. But... Yeah, there's a lot more problems here than a coach. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. And it's not going to be fixed overnight. So for Newcastle, great win. Again, last few weeks, rolling some players in and out. Got Ponga arrest, Barnett arrest. The Safidis have both kind of been, or well, Daniel Cracker start the year, long-term injury. Safidi, Jacob come in, played really well. They're both back on board at a critical time, I think. Um, similar deal. Home final, week one, good result. Week two might be a big ask, but yeah, I think having a bit of a rest after a lot of injuries and what they've been through this season, getting Bradman Best back on board coming up this week. Newcastle coming together at the right time. Hopefully a positive result this weekend and in the finals. And more important than anything, I guess, for this season, some people go, well, I don't want to be in the finals and get beat week one. They made the eight. They're in the finals. There's still some good kids coming to that pathway. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. I think it's been a real positive year considering the circumstances if I'm a Newcastle fan. Yeah, totally agree. A lot. Uh, and they, look, that's a nice win for them. Yeah. That's a nice win for them, a, a good kill at this time of the year. They've been up and down a little bit the last few weeks, uh, and they're going to get a really good test this week against the Titans. They're playing good footy. Um, it's a good team to run into in that final round, and uh, full steam ahead for Newcastle. Just throw your best punches now. Uh, who knows how far you can go, but um, you know it's all in front of them. They look to have the majority of their roster available, obviously apart from those uh, season endings that they've had, but... Um, yeah, get in there and throw some punches in Newcastle, nothing to lose. Yeah, and that's the main thing, I guess. But I think home final week one, if they do have South, I'd be confident at home. 
Oh, yeah. They've got enough there to get the job done. And if they can get 50% in there, get the place a rocking. Yeah. Should be a good time. But that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Tips, bets, anything for the week. Both got seven last week. So oh, 115. Yeah. I'm 114. We know the one we got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Cost us a perfect round again. Cool. But, uh, yeah, heading to the finals, we're neck and neck. You've got the advantage by one, but there's some massive changes in lineups here. But the first game, the one to decide if the Broncos get the wooden spoon, their lineup for this weekend. They're going to trial Katoni Kastani, Staggs at 5'8 after wow. Gamble got knocked out last week. Jesse Arthurs comes in at centre. Paynars is back in after being out for personal leave. Tia goes back to the bench. Bullimore to the reserve. Xavier Coates starts on the wing. Oates goes back to the bench. Jordan Reeky returns. He's going to start in the back row for David, for feeder, and for the Cowboys. Josh McGuire's back at prop. Tamalolo at lock. Corey Jensen and Molo go back to the interchange bench. Asiata, Pere, Condon all drop out. Gavin Cooper starts in the back row for his last game. What do you reckon, Brock? Can they ditch the spoon? Oh, man. Yeah, I'll back him off. I don't know. What do you think? I'm going the Cowboys. They haven't been impressive, but Maguire and Tom Lolo. Brisbane just change every week. I don't know. Stags in the juniors, and again, Purple Gay is a centre. He actually wasn't a centre in the juniors. He played back row in six, and he was a goal kicker, which he's obviously taken that role now. I think he could play most of those positions, but the best part of his game is his ball playing. So in this side, under these circumstances, the way he plays at six does not conduce to what they've got. They're not getting forward enough. They don't win the middle. Deedon can control things, but I think he's better off out in the centres. The only upside here, I guess, you'll get to call more ball early and just run, but realistically, that extra space with any sort of role on one-on-one with centres, he does a better job. Um, yeah, I think their better option would be play a guy who actually is a 5'8", who played all the way through there and they've turned into a hooker this year in Corey Pakes mm-hmm. and leave Stags out in the centres rather than someone like an Arthurs who's barely played any football. Have your coats, Kenner on the wings, Stags, Farnsworth centres, Pakes in his natural position there and just leave Stags where he's been doing his main damage. That's what I would have done. Yeah. But obviously they're set on him playing nine now, but again, when you play Australian schoolboys and most of your junior footballers are half, Hooker with the way he runs and he's a bit of a live wire. He's jagged a couple of tries in a dummy half, yep, but just with the way the year's finishing off, I don't see why you wouldn't put him back in his natural position and see how him and Dearden go as a combo. But yeah. Like long term stage playing six, don't think so. No. I think it's pretty clear that center's gonna be his position in first grade. So Cowboys for me, Broncos for you. Yeah. Odds on this one. Outsiders the Broncos, two oh five, dollar eighty for the Cowboys, minus one and a half. Betting wise, wouldn't touch us with a ten foot pole. <laughs> the only yeah. thing I hope for my own back pocket is that Kyle Felt somehow scores a double and Nofaluma doesn't score. Because I have a few random ten dollar bets at the start of the year on try scorers that are in the mid thirty range. He was paying thirty one to be top try scorer. Yeah, I had problems. himself Tyo and I think I took Edric, it was like fifty. He had Three or four first two rounds, and then he snapped his arm, and he missed a fair bit of time, old Edric. So, mm. felt right on the cusp. That's all I'm hoping for out of this game, if anything. is a bit of cashola. So, come on, Kyle Felt. All right. Get in there. Line our pockets so we can punt when the finals come around. Early Friday game. Your mob, the Gold Coast Titans, up against the Newcastle Knights. Brian Kelly returns in the centres. Train Spry. Shifts to the wing. Corey Thompson is dropped out of the side. 
for the Knights, Edric Lee and Bradman Best return. Stafford Toa and Shibasaki drop out. Kurt Mann is back at hooker. Chris Randall goes to the bench. Phoenix Crossland is out. Mataudia starts in the back row. Fitzgibbons out injured. Brody Jones is caught up onto the interchange. Can you guys finish with a win? Yeah, why not? Why not? They're playing good footy. Newcastle have been inconsistent. I don't like Newcastle's away form. No. So, yeah, I'll back them with some confidence, but knowing that Newcastle have probably got more to play for. I'm going to go the Knights purely on what you said, and because heading into the finals and wanting a home final, should be enough motivation to get the job done. But definitely think this will be a tight game and hopefully a good game of football. Yeah. Uh, Early Friday game. Still probably warm enough up on the Gold Coast, so it won't be too dewy or too no, wet at that time too. of night. But this sort of game between these two teams and the way they like to play, this is to me is like an ideal 3 o'clock game for Sun football or a Sunday Arve game. I love watching teams that like to move the football or play with a bit of speed, playing daylight football, but mm-hmm. I actually don't think this is a bad uh, early Friday game. This one should be good. But Split that one again, Titans-Knights, and the odds on that one, Gold Coast-Titans, $2.30. A dollar sixty-two for the Knights. Three and a half is the line. Friday night, eight o'clock game. The blockbuster, the Rabbitohs versus the Roosters for the Rabbitohs. Dane Gagai is back. Stephen Masters is out. Jed Cartwright is in the back row for Jaden Sewell, who's suspended. Pat Mago gets caught up onto the bench and for the Roosters. Tedesco is back at fullback. Friend at nine. Boyd Cordner, Toki Aho are all back in. Joey Manu, Lindsay Collins, and Liu all get a rest. Freddie Lussick drops to the reserves. Angus Crichton goes to Lock, Lockle and Lamb and Hutchison on the bench. I don't care who they drop out. They're not losing this game heading to the finals. No, I agree. They, uh, they're too good. I just think, yeah, regardless of how they get the job done or the rotations here, they'll want to win. They'll want to get some form. They'll put all their best troops on the park the next week. Fingers crossed or touch wood, nothing happens this week and they will go full steam ahead to try and knock off Melbourne. Book another prelim, and I dare say again, if they get to a prelim, I'm penciling in for the grand final. I really am. It's as simple as that. And the odds for this one $4 a South, $1.25 for the Roosters, plus 10.5. So if you think that traditional clash and the fire that generally comes with it can buy a bit of a closer contest, 10.5 points there. If you don't mind the bunnies to make it a bit of a closer affair. Early Saturday game, the Dogs versus the Panthers. For the Dogs, no changes for the side that. Broke the drought and won last week. The only change is Josh Jackson goes to lock. Chris Smith to the back row. There you go. I like Josh Jackson playing in the middle. I think yep. he does his best work there. Uh, Panthers, they've rested Edwards, Viliami Kikiao, Stephen Crichton for the final round. Dane Laurie will get a full game at fullback. Tyrant May moves to the centres. Kurt Capewell gets a start in the back row. Tamia returns at prop. Coruscant hooker. Leota back to the bench. Kenny back to the reserves. Matt Burton, Tedavano. Onto the bench with Hetherington dropping out. Uh, I still like Penrith again. I'm with you. They could make late changes, do whatever you want. Put in Burton, put Farah or someone from the extended squad into the centres if you wanted to rest. I, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. This is only my opinion. I'd honestly play May and Burton in the halves. I'd put Farah in to cover that spot. They've got May into the centres if you're looking to get you know some football and a couple of those guys there. Um, Billy Burns is sitting there in the back row. If you thought Liam Martin could do with a week off, why not this week? I just think they've got options. They've got a way to get guys some football. They've got depth, and I still think they'd win, even with those changes. I really do. But they may not go that way. Just don't be surprised if they do. 
That's all I'm saying. But both on the Panthers, I'm sure the odds reflect that. A dollar seventeen are the Panthers. Five dollars for the Bulldogs. Plus thirteen and a half is the start if you think they can make it. A bit of a shit fight there and drag it down. Sharkies up against the Raiders. The Raiders have basically taken their whole side down. <laughs> but for the Sharks, Wade Graham swaps into the halves with Sean Johnson out. Nana McDonald replaces Sione Katara on the wing. Mahoween Hiroti replaces Dugan in the centres. Teague Wilton is taking the spot on the bench for Royce Hunt. The Raiders, they've rested bloody almost everyone. Uh, you've got Adam Cook <laughs> debuting at fullback. Harley Smith-Shields and Matty Tomoko, who were guns in flag, uh, are both playing in the centres with Croker and Jordan Rapana out. Matt Frawley, Sam Williams, new halves combination. They've rested Whiten, Williams, Bateman and Elliot Whitehead are out. Hudson Young, Harold Wirinara, good back row pairing there. Papali's out and Topine rested. Soliola's back from injury. Harvey at lock, Starling at hooker. Kai O'Donnell. And then you've got two more debutants in Derby Medlin and Jarrett Sablu on the bench. I think Medlin's a middle forward. Sablu's a half, played some junior Queensland. The only name I haven't heard before out of all the ones I've seen, uh, as far as the Raiders are concerned, is Adam Cook. I think he played some flag for him, but it doesn't really ring a bell. But Frawley, junior Canberra player, was down there, played some first grade of dogs overseas and back now. Sam Williams is obviously his third stop at the club, but always does a solid job. Uh, obviously a lot of changes there forced by the Sharks but I think they'll win but I still think these Raiders players and what they've rolled in uh, will make a bit of a contest of it I honestly do so who are you backing? I'm on the Sharks yeah I just think like bubble situation no cup is going to make it hard I think they might be a bit clunky just when you basically change your whole spine and you debut on a couple of guys, that's not ideal. But I do like the quality Good luck. of depth. In particular, I still think the forward pack with Louis, Soliola, Starling, Young, yeah. Harawir, and Naira, still a pretty good pack. But when I look at Cronulla, Hamlin, Ueli, Braley, Nakora, Talakai, Rudolph, like, um, I'll back that there's enough there. I'll go Cronulla. I don't, but, I don't know. Yeah. Down in Canberra, a couple of debutantes. That's not in Canberra. Oh, Sorry. That's yeah, right, I might mix up, but yeah. I'd, a lot of injuries there for Cronulla, but I think basically when you flop, flip your whole side and you've got guys that have played no football because of the bubble, might be a little bit too much of an ask. But I dare say they'll still be competitive, but I'll go yeah. with Cronulla. Bookies, I think, might have them slight favourites, and yes, they do. $1. seventy. they still think Canberra will be competitive. $2.15 minus 2.5 is a line. Again, just one that I wouldn't be putting my money on, nope. even if I like Cronulla, but if they're the favourite... Um, and with all their injuries as well, I'm not touching that game. Tigers-Eels. The Tigers. Luke Brooks returns in the halves. Reynolds is out. Talao replaces Joey Leilua at centre. Twile returns from illness at lock. Matt Eisenhuth goes to the bench. Tom McKayley goes to prop for LIA, who's out. Garner starts in the back row. McIntyre is out. Or Elijah Taylor, Sean Bloor, and Michael Cheekham join the bench. Packer and Jacob Little drop out. So mass changes there. For the Eels, Junior Paulo, Sean Lane back into the starting sign with Kane Evans and Davey back to the bench. I think I can smell a bit of an upset, but I'm going the Eels purely because, again, I think into the finals you need to carry momentum. So to me, they have to win. Have to. Yeah, I'll tip them, but I'm not confident. Neither am I. But if they lose this heading into week one against Penrith, I think it's going to get ugly. Mm. I think that could completely shoot their confidence down to... 
you know, it's just a point of no return, and I think it could be a bang bang backdoor job if that does happen to be the case. But I think this one will be close with the bookies, maybe not as much as I thought. A dollar thirty three for the Eels, three thirty five for the Tigers, eight and a half starts. So final game for Marshall and Lawrence. I don't mind the start. I probably again don't know if I'd take it, but if you can smell an upset there, Tigers pretty good value. Warriors up against Manly. Peter Hicku is in the fullback. Roger Tuivasa-Sheck misses the last game. Pat Herbert returns in the wing. Hayes Perham to the centres. Isaiah Papali starts at prop. Toe Harris back to the second row. Alessia Katawa returns with Murchie back to the bench. Tanoa Brown returns on the interchange. Tommy Arley and Josh Curran are the two that drop out for Manly. Trebojevic is already out. Fun is back to fullback. Garrett returns on the wing. Abbas Miski on the other. Albert Hopawade is out. Paseka starts at prop. Morgan Boyle back to the bench. Waddell in the back row with Gazuski out. And Hamali, uh, Hamoli Olakaatu is the new face on the bench. Uh, I'm going to go the Warriors for the upset. I don't yeah, care Warriors. if Rogers out. I think the way they've played out the whole season, the last game before they go home, they've given nothing but a good account of themselves. Um, I think Hiku's been in really, really good form. So back to fullback or not. Herbert's good in the games that he's played. Perham looks a solid player. Katoa back in. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to give the Warriors a crack last round here to get a win before they head home. Yeah. And uh, they're actually the outsider, $2.30, mainly a $1.62 favourite, plus three and a half to start there. So, and the last one of the round, again, a complete wipeout of the team, similar to what the Raiders have done. The Melbourne Storm, they've absolutely cleaned house. For the Dragons, though, a couple of debutants. Jaden Sullivan debuts in the halves alongside Adam Clune, who's back in. Ben Hunt is suspended, and Corey Norman's been dropped. Max Figai starts on the wing this week with Jordan Pereira out. Eddie Blacker gets a debut off the bench while Ewan Aiken returns at centre for Braden Williame. Jacob Host is back in the back row. Tarek Sim moves to the bench. Tyrell Fuimano is out. And Blake Laurie starts with Cade Ellis benched for Melbourne. Get ready. Entirely new back line except Pappenhausen returns. And as I said to you before, uh, we had dinner. The club basically said that they don't really want him to miss a month of football before playing a finals game. So unless he struggles during the week, he will be playing. Yeah. But other than that, uh, Nico Hines goes back to the bench. Adokar Suli arrested. Shandor Earl and Isaac Ludumi come under the wings. Branko Lee and Olam arrested. With Ricky Latelli and Paul Mobarovsky, the new centre pairing. Munster and Hughes are out with Jackson Cooper-Johns in the halves. Smith, Jesse Bromwich, Tino, Felice, Kenny... Nelson are all being rested. Brandon Smith will start at a hooker. Welch will return with Tui Kamika Mika at prop. Tommy Eisenhuth and Chris Lewis are the new back row with Max King at lock. And then the bench is Darren Schonig, Albert Vette, and Albert Penne gets his debut on the bench for the Melbourne Storm. And uh, in the extended squad there, if there's any more possible late changes, Aaron Booth is a hooker. If they feel like they need somebody to cover, they'll uh, give some time off for Bryn. Otherwise, maybe they just go with Nico to cover that role for 15 minutes if they need to. I'm not sure. Dean Eremeyer, Trent Lorio, and Judah Turahui are guys that probably would have played more cup and flag this year. I'm not sure if they'll bring any more of those in. But, yeah, Melbourne, obviously, nothing to gain. Sitting there in uh, second position. A lot of guys with niggles or injuries that have been carrying during the year. I don't blame them. The Roosters are going to be coming for them. Get yourself in your best condition and try to fire... The 12-gauge week one to get to a prelim. Exactly. Yep. But the Dragons, I would have said if they played full strength, maybe I'd tip them, but... Nah. I don't know. 
Tip the liquid man. You still going to go to the storm? Yep. Awesome. <laughs> I'll go with what I know. Even with all those changes, I'm still considering it early in. I'm going to tip the dragons. <laughs> and then 10 minutes into the game, you'll go, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> uh, I like Forgive Jayden. me, daddy. I like Jaden Sullivan. I think he's a good player. Um, physically, probably needs another off-season or two just to put some size on. But I like him. I really like what I've seen of Ramsey so far, too. Mm. I like the bits I saw at Flag. Um, obviously, fullback's his natural position. But, yeah, I'm surprised they haven't given the other fee guy twin a run because generally Matt and Max plays a center wing combo and with Aitken moving on. I thought that might have been the case. But, yeah, yeah. Um, not quite sure. Let's see what the bookies think. Again, they've got this one framed quite tight. Dragons are a dollar eighty favorite. Melbourne are two hundred five, despite basically dropping their whole side. And the line is minus one and a half. So, if you were looking to win a fantasy comp this week on Supercoach or anything, you're in big trouble. If you're looking to win a yeah. tipping comp, this is not a great week. As far as upsets for our confidence pool, this should throw the cat amongst the pigeons. Have some bloody difficult games to pick. Uh, very unusual, but it hasn't been a normal year, so who can be surprised, Boxhead? Exactly. But here we go. Last round before we get into finals action. Regardless of who's playing this weekend, anyone who's complaining about eight games of football, bang your head on a desk and give yourself a triple. It was taken away. And it was a terrible time, so I don't care who plays this weekend. Me either. Roll them out. <laughs> give me a jersey. I'll be blown after five minutes, but honestly... When the football starts to reduce as good as finals football is, I get sadder by the week. It's a hard time. So I'm going to enjoy every game this weekend. I don't care who's playing. All eight. Going to soak it all in. All right. I will grab my Foxtel remote. I, I will, will back it up. up. I will spark it up. Good times. <laughs> there you go. Before we finish things off for the night, we've got a new sponsor on board, Boxhead. One of the great yeah. listeners. A fellow Titans fan for you. Good. Oh, Chris, They're all coming on board. You're both bathing in it. Loving yep. the Titans' success right now. You're loving it, mate. Absolutely bathing in the glory that is the Just gold. Just bathing coast. in it, mate. Titans, but uh, this one's a very handy one. In fact, I think this is a cracker of business. It's called Move Me In. So if you're looking to move, if you're not moving, if you're in your house and you're just looking, uh, if you've ever checked your electricity or your gas or any of those bits and pieces, it's probably not a bad deal. A bit like the solar thing. Why would you give money away for free when you can get money back? If you're getting a shit deal on your gas or your electricity, fix it. Make a phone call. See what you can do. Move means the way to go. And that's just the question we've got for you. When was the last time you checked to see how much you are paying for your electricity or gas? In times like these in particular, it's even more important that we're putting money back in our own back pocket. So through our new sponsor, Move Me In, you can compare your current electricity or your gas bills in less than two minutes and you can change and get a better deal without having to speak to any call centers ever. So ideal, you're not going to get the runaround. Not only that, if you get on board and you get a better deal with your electricity and gas, they'll shout your dinner, you get a $45 Domino's <coughs> pizza deal. So you can get one of those uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me. jumbo New York style ones. Oh. Oof, pepperoni, get me on board. Give a bit of a burn. Uh, and you can get two free coffees at a local participate uh, participating cafe. So that'll be defined, obviously, by... Then once you get on board, but how good is that? You can save hundreds of dollars on your bills and get a free pizza. Everyone loves free pizza. Oh, I'll eat a free pizza. I don't care where it's from. Free pizza. Free pizza for the team. Jump onto their Facebook page and click on the link to see how much you can save. We'll throw that one up. But 
again, just one of those simple ones. There's nothing really attached to it for us. There's no kickback, hopefully. But if it can save you some dollar, get on board. And Chris, he's a good egg. Long-time listener. First-time caller. Fellow long-time suffering Gold Coast fan like Boxhead. Oh. So things are turn around, but I don't see how you can lose. You can't lose. Don't pay more than you have to. And no. again, I hate call centres and I hate people passing me around and bullshit me. If they just find you the best deal, which is the whole point of this, and it's linked in with a real estate company, which I used to do for a job. And again, if they're uh, looking just to get it across the line, if they can't get you a better deal, well then, no dice. But can't hurt, like you said, in this day and age, in this time right now, if you can save some cash on your electricity or your gas, get on board. Move get me in. We'll throw that link board. up on the page. But we're done for another week, bro. We are, brother. And after that, we'll be previewing the forms. So, I know. Next week. See what happens to the results. See what the lineups are. Go in depth on the eight teams that are left over. What we think, how we think the finals are going to play out. Less reviews, more uh, deep analysis of the teams in finals football. Of the player team, team of the player players. Teams. Might bring back a bit more of the fan questions as things start to shorten up as well. And I know. A bit more man. Haven't done as much of that probably this year with a lot of podcasts and answering a lot of content. But yeah, more buzz and more hoops, and we might even get that Lori, Lori Daly oh. for the team. What about his hair? It's getting better. How better. good? Oh. It doesn't move. Doesn't move. It's great. He's like a Ken doll. <laughs> <laughs> How good is it? It's a great it's oh, outstanding. A great, uh, that's it. The answer is a pineapple. It's a pineapple. Better of the week, actually, before we go. Out of those games, what do we like? There's there's some absolute cruel ones there. If you like a sniff on the Tigers, I don't know if I'd have why, a crack. Why, at the, it, why mainly a dollar sixty two? That's the one I was surprised about. Yeah, I, I know, jump on the Warriors. I know like, Rogers out, but two horse race. The Warriors have been more consistent. Two thirty, I'll take a piece of that. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I I honestly think uh the Tigers are a show against the Eels because the Tigers will just have nothing to um nothing to nothing lose. Nothing to lose, yeah. If you like the great see if you like the uh, the Titans again, two thirty is still good value. Titans? Two thirty. Massive vote. I think Newcastle are going to be better opposition than what they got last week. But yeah. if I was going to take one, it probably would be the Warriors. I just think, again, for all the effort they've put in, if they flop this week of all weeks, the last round would be disappointing. Yeah. They've given everyone a red-hot crack. They'll bark it up. And they've had a terrible record in previous years against Manly. Manly have seemed to have the wood on them, but this might mm. be a situation to give it back. Maybe. So, as far as a lot of those other games are, like the Melbourne game... No way. That Raiders game, no way. Not touching it. Penrith doesn't really offer a lot of value unless you think they might make some changes and you can take the dogs for the third and a half, but I wouldn't be doing that. Bruce's at a dollar twenty five. Could you swallow the ten and a half and go thirteen plus? I think with the team they name you could. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, that's probably the only market I'd take on that one. If you're taking the thirteen plus, you'd get over two bucks. But um yeah, I think the Warriors probably present the most value out of those ones I've just looked at. But mm. there you go. Another week down. Rate review us on iTunes. Hope everyone's staying safe and doing well in finals football. It's not far away. We're getting into the pointy end of the season. Let's see how everything pays out. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.